Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Lightseekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Lightseekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 50 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. Now, if you've ever tried podcasting or just hung out with podcasters enough, I think you understand just how special episode 50 can be. Not only is it a nice round number, sure, but it shows a certain level of dedication and commitment that has gone into this project. On Need More Bus, for example, even though we only average a half hour a week, 50 episodes in, that means there's 25 hours of content out there. So if you wanted to start from the beginning and binge through the entire series, it would take you more than a full day of listening to catch up. So I think that is definitely something we can celebrate. With that being said, we're going to celebrate in at least two different ways. There may be more to come, but I have two things for now. Starting today and running through the end of this month, end of November 2018, we are going to be giving you 50% off all Lightseekers Awakening singles. I'm not going to make this difficult. I'm not going to make it hard to remember or anything. The coupon for this offer will just be sitting, waiting for you in your cart when you check out. All you have to do is simply click on the coupon and the discount should be added. Additionally, from now until the end of the year, end of 2018, I am going to be including a grab box of 50, sense of theme here, 50 free cards to anybody who orders at least $25 worth of product. So as many of you know, at that $25 threshold, you already get the free shipping, but now we're going to give you 50 free cards on top of it. These are just two small ways that I can think of to give back to this wonderful community who has given so much to this game, to the podcast, to the website, everything. None of this would be possible without you guys. Moving on, though, we do have an episode this week. It is another one of our championship interviews. This is our champion from the New York tournament, which took place in New Jersey, yes, but it's what we're referring to as our New York tournament for the time being, and the winner was Tetra. Over the past few months, Tetra has been a very vocal member of our community. You probably have seen him in the Discord if you've been around there, otherwise, Hopefully, you'll get to know them a little bit better through this episode. As always, the show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 050. That's deliverycrab.com slash 050. So let's get right into it and see what Tetra has to say about his winning deck from the New York Delivery Crab Tournament. Welcome to the show, Tetra. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. How are you, Matt? I'm doing well. So we have you on as one of our ever-growing list of champions, whether it be from Play Fusion tournaments, Delivery Crab tournaments, whatever the case may be. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It is a great honor to join that list. So you haven't been on the podcast before, so we're going to take things back a little bit before we get into your deck as we do with our, our, our new guests. And I would like to find out where did you get your start in gaming was it always card games or board games video games tell me about it 
I never really played board games, you know, the occasional family monopoly. Mm-hmm. Besides that, I was pretty big into gaming. I didn't take it really on a competitive level. I think I just liked playing video games. So obviously like PlayStation 1 mm-hmm. and then onwards from there, you know, I play Xbox, stuff like that. But um, my card game history, I guess, started in Pokemon. I played Pokemon for about two years competitively. I traveled okay. around the country, going to regionals. Uh, great time. And About how old were you when you did that? Um, About three years ago from right okay. now. So, <laughs> so I've so, only been playing so, card games for about three years. Okay, yeah. Rel- relatively new. Got it. Yeah, so uh, I was into Pokemon, and, you know, my local game store was Family Fun Hobbies. Rob is the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, he got Lightseekers in, and, you know, he kept pushing me on it, <laughs> pushing me on it. So, you know, one day I finally gave in, and I said, all right, you know, I'll, I'll play a couple games. Me and my girlfriend went over there, and Chino helped us out. Uh, we started playing, and the rest is history. I basically sold my Pokemon collection and bought into Lightseekers. Wow. That's impressive, Yeah. So Pokemon is is basically the only other card game you've ever played? Yes. Okay. I can't say anything to that really because Lightseekers is honestly the first TCG I've ever gotten into. So from Pokemon to Lightseekers, is there something that you weren't necessarily enjoying about Pokemon? Like were you looking for an out or what, what was it that kind of triggered the switch? I really liked Pokemon and, you know, the community was awesome. It was a big game. There was always, you know, thousand people regionals and everything. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, Lightseekers came along and I realized, hey, this is a new game. I saw it picking up a lot of steam. And I don't know. I feel like Pokemon just got overwhelming to a point And I decided to kind of just get a fresh start, you know, with everybody else in Lightseekers. Whereas people have been around for 20 years playing Pokemon. Not everyone can say that about Lightseekers, obviously. <laughs> Not, so, yet. Uh, Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, so I felt like I would take, you know, whatever um, competitive card game knowledge I had from Pokemon and try to transfer it into a new game that's, you know, relatively new and I guess easier to become a more competitive person because you're on the same, you know, page as everyone else. Yeah, like you were saying, that's something about the bigger games like Pokemon and Magic and stuff. That's a big reason why I never got into it. And that's why I'm kind of impressed that you did get into it as late as you did. Uh, just three years ago, I mean, like I said, it's been around for 20 years, and I would just find that super overwhelming to try to jump into something like that, especially if I wanted to do it at a competitive level, which sounds like you did. I don't know how you fared, but still, just the fact that you took it to that level at that point in the game. Yeah, it was like, as soon as I found it, I was just over I don't know. I would just like think about it all the time while I'm at work, you know, thinking of deck lists and like, oh, that would be a cool interaction with this card. And I don't know. I guess I just got like so into it that I kind of forced myself to catch up to everybody else. Yeah, I guess it worked out for you. But that was a big selling point for me, honestly, with Lightseekers is that I hit it right as it was launching. And so I didn't have to deal with any of, well, we have these experienced players. We have 20 years of cards I have to figure out or anything like that. It's all brand new to me. It's brand new to other people. We're all figuring out the rules together. It was a big mess in the beginning because no one <laughs> fully understood the rules. But we all got it worked out now, and I think it's definitely headed in the right direction. So I'm glad to see that you've joined us. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. Uh, Lightseekers definitely is moving in the right direction. I can see that. You know, I personally met the creators of the game at Nationals, mm-hmm. and they are great guys. 
um, including Jacob. Don't want to leave Jacob out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, they're all great guys, and I know that you know they're doing what they need to do to, to make the game great. Obviously, there are going to be some hiccups in the beginning, but I think that this rotation coming up is definitely going to solve the majority of the problems. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things going to be solved with that, and I'm glad to see that they're kind of taking the bull by the horns and doing what needs to be done. Exactly. All right, so you won one of our recent tournaments, one of the recent Delivery Cup tournaments in New Jersey. This wasn't our our, our standard location in New Jersey that we, we've hit a few times now, but this is the, I guess, what we are trying to consider our New York tournament. It's kind of weird we have a New York tournament and Philadelphia tournament, and they're both in New Jersey. So <laughs> I like to differentiate them a little bit like that, just so people don't get confused with the double Jersey tournament. But it's still weird to me how close the states are in the eastern half of the U.S. So in any case, this was the, I guess, northern Jersey tournament that you won. Yes. It was the first time we held it there, and I'm very glad to see that we finally got a storm list on top. <laughs> I think that I haven't had the chance to talk about many storm decks, even though it's my favorite order, just because they haven't been topping out at many tournaments. So please enlighten me with what is going on with this Fish Singer Ushi deck. All right, so this list I like to call... Estes Ushi Boy, uh, Sushi Boy. <laughs> but yeah, this is your run of the mill mill deck. Honestly, it's pretty boring. It, okay. <laughs> great, always, great way to advertise a deck, yeah. <laughs> well, I can always just, you know, I sit down and then once the opponent realizes what's going on, they're just, they sit there and, and then I have to apologize and they say it's okay, but I know that it's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just means you created a good deck. It's a solid deck. If they get to that point where it's like, okay, I see what's going on, and my deck can't beat your deck. There, there is was, that. Two Pancakes was actually playing a deck that countered mine pretty well. Okay. I'm going to go through the deck list. So basically, like I said, it's a mill deck. So, of course, you got to have a lot of healing and you know buff-reducing cards. Mm -hmm. So I have three Confused Shamans, three Vitalizing Frogs for that healing. And that is great. I also have two Bubble Fish in there for you know the damage reduction as well as two Tyrax Fixers for healing. I do run a Forge Wall in there, and that's how I gain access to that. Obviously, you're going to be running Forge Wall and Crystal Core in any, you know, Ushi mill deck. Yeah, anything <laughs> so you need a, to put up a wall, basically. Exactly. So the, the whole point of this deck is just to stay alive, mill your opponent out while replenishing your deck. And how I do that is with Wind Controller. Wind Controller um, just recently got an errata so that it is a burn card now, so you can't get it back from the discard. Mm -hmm. But basically, the whole deck revolves around Wind Controller, Storm Calling, which is a combo, and Tornado, which is also a combo. So basically, you... You know, play your hand out, whatever you need to do. Once you get some key cards in the discard that you'd want back in your hand, you would tornado them back. Um, you know, I have Flood in there for also healing, Cold Snap for buff removal, and Avalanche as well, the cross-order combo. But yeah, Tornado, basically, you want to use it, and then you want to have a Wind Controller stick and land on the field while you're using Storm Calling. Mm -hmm. That way you can just get all of your combos right back, and then what you do is just Tornado again for your Wind Controllers right back. It's pretty crazy, and they definitely needed to put Burn on Wind Controller, but there definitely are other ways around that. I'm not going to share any secrets, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also do run 
two Crystal Leech for my buff removal, and I also do run two Thunderslug. So I do have a lot of buff removal in here. It is, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I also run one Geode Hatchling, you know, under my Crystal Core, another Crystal card. And the reason why I do this is because if, for whatever reason, I end up using both of my Crystal Leeches, then I have no payment for my Avalanche. But on top of that, also, Geode Hatchling can get back my Wind Controller um, if... You know, the opponent decides to use their buff removal on it. It may be my last one in deck. Geode Hatchling is just a lifesaver. So it can bring it right on back. That's true, yeah. So the thing with the buff removal, this is something when I'm building decks I always have trouble with, is there are times when I want to bring in buff removal from that secondary element that I'm using an item to get access to. But I, for whatever reason, when I play, I, I have a hard time consistently getting those items out. I may, you know, early game, get those two Crystal Leeches in my hand, but there's no way to play them until you get the item. Or maybe you'd have the item out, and, I mean, in this case, since it's a Crystal Core, I mean, if that either gets trashed with a Crushing Blow, or if it just gets activated and gets sent back to your deck, like, you can't use those cards. So do you find yourself running into that problem much, or how do you how do you work around that? Not necessarily. I used to, like, you know, months ago when I first got into the game, mm-hmm. always always soar up and down, you know, two of every item because of Crushing Blow. Yeah. I'm realizing that there are ways around that because I do have Tornado. So, you know, that can get my items back from the discard if they Crushing Blow. And typically with this deck, you're just going to be kind of stockpiling your cards in your hand. It doesn't even really matter if you get gestured down to seven because you can just keep getting them back with tornado so i'm not really too worried about that so usually i have a big hand and i'll actually manually attach my items as opposed to using a blacksmith so you know i'll only use a blacksmith if i know i'm about to you know die that way Mm -hmm. i can put the crystal core on or you know if i need the forge wall for the tyrex fixers i can just grab that but usually i like to hang on to my blacksmiths just in case you know crystal core does go off that way the next turn they don't finish me off i can get it right back so the wind controllers they have only two it's been a while since i used them it's two corners of activation right yeah so it's x and then activation activation okay so how important is the timing of when you play that do you plan to use both of those corners or do you just kind of play it proactively and say oh well by the time it's actually active on one of those corners, I'll be able to play a combo. Or like, when do you plan on playing the wind controllers? Usually, I kind of tend to look at the board state and see what's going on. Because if my opponent just you know thinks, hey, this is just a mill deck, he's going to mill me out, gets rid of their healing cards for whatever reason early game, I can just put down a wind controller, let it go to its second corner. And then you know if I have, let's say, a Crystal Leech and a Geode Hatchling in hand, and I also have Avalanche, I can just hit for Avalanche, get it right back into my hand, already have payment for it, that's another 10 damage. It also puts all their attack cards back into their deck. So that's 20 damage right off the bat. And then if I have Tornado and the payment for it after that, my wind controller is used up, but I can still do that if I want to. Okay. I haven't seen wind controller play too much against me, and so I haven't really seen how people choose to use it, whether or not they like to hit both of the corners or, or if they just hope to get one of them in there. But I figure when you have three wind controllers in here 
and like you said, like when, when you're planning pre-burn wind controller, like you, you plan on getting these back a few times, how many times in an average game do you actually get those combos back through the wind controller? I'd probably say for every three wind controllers one and a half sticks <laughs> but yeah like sometimes i'll just use them desperately i'll kind of just fool my opponent you know and i'll i'll storm calling actually it's not even fooling my opponent but sometimes i'll just be desperate you know early game i might have to flood heal up i might have to cold snap against you know a sicario deck or something mm-hmm. just use up my combos and things early game where you know i'm really just looking for that first uh or second corner on wind controller just to use my storm calling there are definitely you know detours and things that can go wrong with this deck if you don't know how to play it properly so i think i did a pretty good job against two pancakes he added uh colossi idols out he had three of them in his deck so when that (laughs) it's a mountain card where if it's on the top of your discard pile nobody can play combos yeah so you know if i can't play mental to this desk (laughs) exactly so you know late game if he sticks that on top he has ways of using item abilities and then drawing one so there definitely are ways around this deck something i don't see too often is putting some of these unaligned cards in your main deck in particular the creeble monk (laughs) Uh, funny that's an interesting one yeah the only reason why i did that and it might be a d-bag move but you know i checked out the playing field i saw there was some sicario running around or no i'm sorry it's Creeble Monk. Yeah, that, that, I, no, I'm I forgetting. That. It's the, abilities, right? Yep, no hero can use abilities. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, there was a lot of Sicario, or there was one Sicario. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was also a Magrock there. So and then also Azuna. So I don't know. It was, I also had to take out some cards before I got there because I didn't have the appropriate cards that I needed. So I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I'll throw in a Creeble Monk. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, that that's a interesting move and an interesting deck overall. So, is this something you've been working on for a while now, or is it something you put together recently? Um, honestly, I saw I went up against it on the app, and I was like, okay, I need to figure out what's going on with Ushi here. So I kind of <laughs> I kind of built the deck just to kind of see how it worked, so that I could you know tech against it or figure out how it operates. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up just m- making my own version of it, and I've been playing it for a while. Like I said, it's a very boring deck to play for you and your opponent, but uh, overall, it works. You know, and that's what counts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um... Something I've been diving into a lot more recently is looking at the side deck because that's something I think a lot of people, including myself, have some problems with and trying to figure out not only what to put in a side deck, but how to use it effectively. So if you could kind of walk me through a little bit of why you put different cards in your side deck and maybe some of the instances when you had to use it throughout the tournament. Honestly, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't really know how side decks work. (laughs) I come from Pokemon, and there are no side decks in Pokemon. I'm slowly starting to get a grasp on it, but, you know, I kind of just threw in some unaligned cards. Um, Shield Walls I actually put in, usually after game one for all of my matchups. Shield Wall is a great card. Uh, When you get attacked, it has clunky corners, and it reduces damage by that much, and it just keeps reducing more damage as you get attacked. It is ridiculous. If you see a lot of aggro decks, I mean, absolutely. Because, yeah, by the time you get to the end of that card, it it blocks six damage, and it's going to block any action card, basically. Exactly. Battleborn Oppressor, I just, you know, threw in there. I figure, all right, there's some item removal if I do need it. 
Colossi Skybeam, it was kind of put in there just for buff removal, faking yep. the opponent out. Like, here, you can either take two damage until you're down to 20 health, or you can use a buff removal on it and not have to worry about it. Um, Umbran Informant, obviously, draw power is, is crazy in this game. So, you know, I tend to have at least one of those in all of the side decks that I unknowingly build right before the tournament. <laughs> one more Creeble Monk, just because I figured, you know, if the one that I put in my regular deck worked out, maybe I'll put in the other one. And Turkle Captain, I just put in there because, um, you know, some damage reduction can't hurt, especially, you know, against Zuna matchups or, you know, matchups, aggro matchups that don't put buffs into play. It's just a solid two damage uh, reduced. Yeah, definitely. But the Colossi Skybeam in particular with this deck, I mean, the way you were describing how you play it, because if you can win control of your Avalanche and play that twice in a row, that's one of the easier ones to play. So if that Skybeam has taken them down to 20 because they haven't removed it, I mean, you can have them dead real quick then. Exactly. Yeah, that seems like a real good way to go about it, I think. But the Battleborn Impressor, have you actually gotten to use that at all? No, I haven't. And the more that I look at it, the more that I dislike it. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't seem like a crazy good card to me. I mean, yeah, you get to remove the equipped item, but you can't remove items with superior element, which mm -hmm. is, you know, a lot, especially with the rotation being announced that the superior items are going to be staying in. Yep. Like Battleborn Oppressor just doesn't really impress me. I think it's going to be very very situational and I mean, like you said, you over time have found ways to work around people removing your items. So I think we're going to be seeing more and more of that too, like action cards related to items, whether it be removing them or retrieving them even from the discard. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, I think for the time being, it's one of those cards that we all look at and like we were all itching to get rid of items. But when you actually get the chance to do it, most people don't play it. Exactly. And that's kind of how I felt about Weapon Master, too. It was very mm -hmm. underwhelming. You know, Crushing Blow was just like leaps and bounds above both of those cards. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, th I think it's the fact that it just does so much damage along with it. Yeah. Whereas Battle Warren Oppressor does a little bit of damage. I mean, sure, it's an action card, so you can just come out and play it whenever you want. But, I mean, it does have its restrictions. And then Weapon Master, you know, gives you a little bit of healing which is okay, but I, I kind of wonder now if if you may have turned Weapon Master's healing into damage, if people would be more likely to play it. I know I would. Yeah, <laughs> that's something to think about. Maybe there'll be another card that allows you to turn your uh, healing into damage. Wait, well, actually, there is one right now. <laughs> <laughs> Battle Priestess. I mean, it's you have to wait for that thing to come around. But Is that the Dread card? It's uh, Astral. Oh, okay, because I know there's a Dread card that turns healing into damage as well. It turns your opponent's healing into damage. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the Vile Brew Hexer. I love that card. Yes, that card is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Got it used against me once. I know what the card does now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first time you see it, like, I, I mean, there's a lot of wording on it, so it's like, wait, what does it do? Exactly. And then you see it. The, <laughs> once you see it play out in the app, and the, that's something that's been so great with the app, is like, just to see different interactions because like there have been times i mean occasionally yes it's a bug but for the most part they have that thing programmed the way it's supposed to work and so you find new interactions that you weren't expecting 
Like, yeah. whether it's a card that was played against you or even just a card you play sometimes. And it's, it interacts with something. It's like, wait a minute. What did that just do? <laughs> I, I definitely agree. And there is, like, some kind of disconnect for me, at least, because I do play so much digitally mm-hmm. and not so much physically, even though I have all these cards. <laughs> when I sit down physically, it's like, oh, hold on, I forgot. I forgot the damage. Oh, hold on. no, I couldn't even play this card because of this. And it's like that. I'm yeah. so privileged by the app. The app does a lot for me. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I've i been that way too. I've played once or twice in, in like tournament settings since getting the app. And it's like, there's just so much more you have to sit down and think about. Yes. <laughs> like you said, just allowing you to play a card. Like the app doesn't allow you to misplay. So. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, my card doesn't have red flames around it. <laughs> wow. Why doesn't this card in my hand have red flames around it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. All the little things. So, all right. Well, that looks like a pretty good overview of this deck. I know you said it's boring and I know things have changed with like some of the burn rules and such, but there's always casual play, right? So if somebody would want to mimic this, this deck, what's one piece of advice you would have for them? Like something to watch out for or something to really focus on while they're playing. Definitely Colossi Idols. Watch out for that card, because if you see that, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> hold on to a Jester and just wait until they draw more than seven cards, and then you can get rid of the uh, Colossi Idol on top of the discard. Definitely, if you're playing in a best of three with this deck, try to know your deck and just play it as fast as you can, because if you go to time, it's going to be a lot harder for you to win against certain matchups when it's just three turns each. So... I would definitely recommend, obviously, playing fast but accurately and kind of putting it on your opponent, you know, to make the match go by a little bit quicker. Sure. That's very fair. All right. So thank you once again for coming on the show today. Thank you for coming out to our Delivery Crap tournaments. Uh, Do you have any plans for any future tournaments? Yep. I'm going to be at the one this weekend. Me and my buddy Two Pancakes are riding out. Yeah, that should be fun. Awesome. I'm also going to be going to PAX Unplugged. I'll be competing in the tournament on Friday, calling out of work, you know. I will also be helping at the booth Saturday and Sunday at the Play Fusion booth. So if you're there, you know, stop by and say what's up. I'm also going to be going out to the gold tier event in January out in Chicago. It's not set in stone yet, but all signs point to yes. So (laughs) go out there, hang out with TPK gang and uh, chill back, get some pizza. And then I'm also going to be at the Family Fun Hobbies gold tier event in January. So I'm hitting 2000. I'm hitting 2019 hard, man. Uh, Awesome. They're going to be flying me out the UK. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're all hoping for, I think so. Yeah, I will be at the majority of those tournaments as well. I won't be there this weekend in New Jersey, but I will definitely stop by and see you at PAX Unplugged. Definitely, for sure. All right. Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, Matt. And there you have it. Episode 50 of Need More Buffs is officially in the books. Now, if you'd like to join me on an episode of Need More Buffs, the easiest way to do that is to go out and win a tournament. We just had a Delivery Crab tournament this past weekend, but there are more events coming up. We have PAX Unplugged, which is in Philadelphia. It's not a Delivery Crab tournament, but as I like to do, if possible, I like to get the winner of the big tournament on the show as well. But then we do have one more Delivery Crab tournament coming up this year in Toledo, Ohio on December 15th. If you're interested in that tournament, head over to deliverycrab.com slash tournaments. You'll find all the information you need there. If you do have any questions, though, please feel free to get in contact with me. 
aside from that, there will be more Delivery Crab tournaments coming up in the new year. We just don't have all the details quite nailed down yet. As soon as I do, they'll be up on that page as well. Also, as we talked about at the top of the episode, since this is our 50th episode, we're celebrating. There are a few opportunities from now through the end of the year. From now to the end of November, you have 50% off all Lightseekers Awakening singles. And then from now until the end of December 2018, you have a free 50-card grab box with any purchase over $25. So I hope you guys out there are able to take advantage of at least one of those deals. But that's all we have for now. So as always, the show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 050. That's deliverycrab.com slash 050. I'm going to get out of here now and start planning the next 50 episodes. So until next week, I've got some more deliveries to make. <laughs>